you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from the ChrisVossShow.com, the ChrisVossShow.com. Hey, we're coming here with another great podcast. We certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. Thanks for being here. For the show to your friends, neighbors, relatives, go to YouTube.com, forward Chris Voss, and hit that bell notification. Really ask yourself, I say that at the beginning of every show to remind you, because I know you're busy, but... Like at this point, there should be some guilt that's starting to set in if you haven't done it. And I'm going to lean on the little guilt shovel here a little bit. So make sure you go to YouTube and hit the bell notification because I, I wouldn't have to say it anymore in the show if you just would. So just go do it now. Anyway, guys, go to goodreads.com forward says Chris Voss. Go to Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all those different places that Chris Voss shows at. And you can see all the wonderful things we're doing. Today, we have an amazing author. He is a former journalist. He is on the show. And he's going to be talking to about his amazing book that came out July 27th, 2021, Unthinkable by Brad Parks. Brad's an amazing mind and the only writer to have won the Seamus, Nero, and Lefty Awards, three of the American crime fiction's most prestigious awards. His novels have been published in 15 languages and won critical acclaim across the globe, including stars from every major pre-publication review outlet. He's a graduate of Dartmouth Dartmouth College. Clearly, I flunk college. Parks is a formal journalist with the Washington Post and the Star-Ledger in Newark, New Jersey. He is now a full-time novice living in Virginia with his wife and two school-aged children. Welcome to the show, Brad. How are you? Chris, I'm doing great. Good to be here. And that was that was a quite. Do you always sing your name on the show? Yeah, because like you, you you hit. I think that was a, about an, like an A flat or something like well, that. They're very nice. We were talking in the show about how you were a former college. Uh, so I hear. So when you go, off, Chris, so I'm honored. Show, I, I hear that that kind of minor discordant thing yeah. you have going on. It's yeah. uh, it, it's pleasing to my acapella sensibilities. Oh well, thank you, thank you. Wow, compliments already from the show. <laughs> they will get you everywhere. Oh, it's funny is i'll tell you just a quick story on that howard stern was doing this bit about the wnbc right right and he was going on a bit for a while on a show where he was talking about a lot and he would do that like 50 times the wnbc from the movie and uh, i decided to just do an homage to him and for a Fair week enough. i started seeing the chris voss show and then i quit it was a bit it was done i did right. it it was over put it back move on and i started getting calls from canada which look at the problems they have up there. They sent us a uh, uh, nickelback, but just the beaver. But I got calls from everywhere, like calls, like not emails, yeah. not messages, like calls. They go, why aren't you doing that anymore? And I go, cause it's stupid. I just, I think it's dumb. And they go, no, man, that's the greatest thing you've ever done on the show. That's it's like just, the it's best just part. become your signature. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, are you guys on drugs? Is there like a conspiracy going on that I don't know about? Like, uh, that it's dumb. It's really dumb. It's hey, just look, a Chris, bit. This is show business. You got to have a thing. It's show man. business. Yeah, yeah. Come on. And so they're like, no, you have to keep doing that. That's the show. And I'm like, seriously. <laughs> and so then I just started doing it. And now when I tour, like I go to events and 
speak or go out or whatever, people run up to me and they scream that at me. My friends do it too. It's even more annoying. <laughs> they run up to you and they go, it's the Chris Fuzz show. And you're like, yeah, you give me a restraining order. Anyway, back to you. So, but I hope you, I hope you modulated a little bit because I, so believe it or not, long, long time ago, I had this like summer job that bled into the school year at this AM radio station in Ridgefield, Connecticut. And the main DJ sat me down one time and lectured me of, I couldn't say the name of the station the same way every time. It can't be AM 850 WREF. No, you have to like AM 850 W. R-E-F. You have to do it slightly different every time. Yeah. Yeah, You got to give the the folks at home something new. Yeah. That's what I do. And so I sing it differently every time. It comes out. Okay. Got it. It's like your own Nickelback song. Yeah. Sometimes I'll go low. I'll be like, "Uh, the Chris Voss show. But they love it. And they come up to me and they're just, it's really scary though when they run up to you and they sing it in your face and you're just like, (laughs) you're not sure if you're going to be assaulted or robbed. And especially these days if they're singing in your face, just you got to know. Yeah, that's true. Okay, yeah, sing sing again for sure. Let's talk about your amazing book. Give us your plug so people can find you on the interwebs. Yeah, so uh, it's called Unthinkable. And the premise is this, Chris. It is about an ordinary stay-at-home dad who is faced with an absolutely unthinkable choice. Basically... He either has to allow a series of events that will lead to the death of a billion people, or he has to murder his own wife. So you remember, yeah, I, hey, th- these are high stakes thrillers, Chris. So I figured mm-hmm. let's amp up the stakes as much as we possibly can. So you remember, I, I know you said you flunked out of college, but m- maybe some a- a- ethics class somewhere yeah, where there's yeah. the uh, the trolley problem. Yeah, I was going to say. Is this yeah, you have, you have the trolley problem heading for five people. It's going to flatten and kill them unless you pull the switch, but that diverts the trolley and where it kills one person. And yes, you've saved four lives, but you're also directly responsible for or the person that you've killed, and what do you do? So it's basically, it's the trolley problem, but on hyperdrive. Wow. And it's that one person or a billion, huh? Why Five is kind of like, yeah, most people mean, like their wives enough that five people, okay, sorry to those Are we talking people. pre-divorce or post-divorce? <laughs> well, so that was one of the decisions I made very early on in the storytelling process of, I have to make this a really good marriage. I can't make it, the marriage is on the right. Nate Lovejoy, the protagonist, he's not sure how he really feels about Jenny anyway, so maybe this is just a nice out. No, like uh-huh. it, it, it's a really, it's not a perfect marriage because I, I write fiction Chris, but not complete fantasy That's because true, there, yeah. there is no such thing as a perfect marriage, but it's a very strong marriage. It's a good marriage. It's a loving marriage. So I, I at least have to give him pause. What's he going to do? Yes, he is still deeply in love with his wife and nowhere near divorce court. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> tell him it gets better. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, no, this is quite the quite the, the the train to run on. So what uh, what made you want to decide to write this book? Do you have an issue with your wife or uh, what's going on? Yeah, so I, I really I have to I, I should clarify the reason I wrote should, this actually. book is is because I love my wife so much. Oh, right? there so, you go. Well, follow me here. So with a thriller, yeah. what makes these things really go is what we in the business call stakes. Right? What's at stake? And if you have a book where what's at stake is the professor's feelings about Proust and whether or not he's going to sleep with his grad student, frankly, it's just not that interesting a book. Versus if you put some, so I was, I really, as I was considering this book, I figured I'm going to start with the stakes because we know the stakes are the most important thing. And what is the worst thing I could possibly ask a character to do? And because I love my wife so much, the first thing that popped in my head was, I'm going to make him kill his wife. And bang, there we go. 
What does your wife feel about this? <laughs> you know, it's it's strange, Chris. She's read all of my books except this one. What yeah. what what's going on with that? Is she just keeping know. tabs on you because <laughs> she wants to know? It's like when you have that wife who always watches CSI and she's really obsessed with it, and you're just like. You're planning something, aren't you? I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, she keeps me at arm's length lately. I'm not sure why. I, I don't know. Well, like, why totally... am I sleeping in the other room all of a sudden, yeah, honey? I yeah. don't get it. Uh, but no, we have a very loving marriage as well. All, all is fine. I'm not working out my <laughs> my repressed fantasies about... What's the, the word for killing a wife? I think it's, it's weird. It's like exoricide or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Hopefully uh, you didn't run a lot of research and questions by her for the book. What's the best so way to kill your funny. wife? Yeah, honey. Right. You got any ideas there? Watch the CSI. No. Anyway, so give us an arcing overview of the book, what it entails, and give us right. a little bit more if you would. Yeah. So basically, it starts with Nate. Again, this just ordinary guy. All of my thrillers, Chris, are people that you can meet in the grocery store. They're just like mm. you and I. They, are, they do not have any special talents or skills. They're ordinary folks, not like ex-special forces, anything like that. So mm. ordinary guy. And it begins with him being drugged and kidnapped off of his back port by these people. I when that happens. I, it, it is... It's a rough afternoon when that happens. And he awakens and he is being held hostage in this incredibly opulent mansion. Hmm. And he is told that he is the guest of a secret society whose leader can see the future, Chris. Oh, of course. And what he has foreseen is that Nate's wife, Jenny, is the linchpin to a future global warming catastrophe that will result in the death of a billion people. Wow. And this is why Nate has to kill her. Mm. You follow so far? Now, will she do this in divorce court or after? No, <laughs> so it actually, she, it, it's one of these, you always have to add layers uh, and make it twistier as you go. So Jenny is a lawyer yeah. who is suing a power company whose coal-fired power plant is killing. And you would think, so wait, doesn't this kind of make her the good guy? That This will be killing less people. But no, because of the law of unintended consequences, she's going to win the lawsuit. But because of this, the power companies will develop this powerful new scrubbing mechanism that will involve a chemical called sodium hexafluoride, which is a real thing. It is the most dangerous and deadly global warming gas out there. It is 24,000 times more powerful than CO2, and it stays in the atmosphere for 3,000 years. And I have this, some of my coffee right now. And this increased use of sodium hexafluoride is what will trigger this global warming catastrophe. So basically, Jenny's lawsuit cannot be allowed to succeed. And the only way to get the lawsuit to go away, she has been the champion for this lawsuit, this kind of Aaron Brockovich-style lawyer, is if Nate kills her, not only will that really bring the lawsuit to a halt, but Jenny's law firm will not want to continue the lawsuit because the scandal, because Nate is actually a former associate at the law firm and Jenny is a partner there. And so they'll want to distance themselves from this awful weird thing that happened and mm-hmm. they'll just drop the lawsuit. And that's the only way to make the lawsuit go away. And this is what the man who can see the future has foreseen. Now, I imagine it, there's also a negative interest for him if he kills his wife, going to jail, losing his wife. So the secret society has this taken care of. I we, love secret societies. This we, is the, they are, they secret best. societies are awesome this way, right? Yeah, especially so, the Kool-Aid. The Kool-Aid's the best. They have given Nate a gun, a special gun. It is a silver-plated gun that has a bullet in it that they have rigged so that it will look like the bullet was fired by a different gun. 
And this will create the reasonable doubt that will allow Nate to get away with it. I think I have a few married friends that would like You're pulling the trigger off. I mean, this is not even a hard one for you. Like, Chris, this is supposed to be a dilemma for people. This is supposed to be, <laughs> what do I do? What would Nate I have do? A lot of married kind of friends. Stuff? You're just like, you're getting the itchy. Okay, wait, I, I have a lot. wait when do I have to, when do yeah. I get to pull the trigger? You ever, see oh. those, you ever see those TikTok videos where they go, if you press this button, you'll kill a person. Click. Yeah. They go, wait, I, I didn't tell you what the deal was. They're click, click again. They're like, oh, no, stop that. Oh, yeah, I, so actually, a, a, another interview I was on, you brought up the Stanford prisoner experiments where mm -hmm. the, these kids from Stanford were just willing to zap the hell out of anybody they could oh, yeah. like, just because somebody told them to. And then some people would give them even more juice than they were supposed to. People are, we are sick little monkeys, Chris. They're we being... really are. This is this is why I write crime fiction. I, I love mm -hmm. kind of, you know, peeling the lid back on the human soul and, and taking a look at the dark, scary stuff yeah. inside. If you've ever seen people's browser histories, that's very true. Mine could get me indicted in a heartbeat. Oh, you know, and wow, I, could okay. say, I could say, well, it's research. Like, I have to know how fast will a body decompose in a pine forest? Well, and by yeah. the way. With the it, right acidity in the soil, it only takes about two months, Chris. Really? Just a little, oh. little now, pro is that tip. Burial or just covering? No, you can, you got to get it down in the soil, and and some extra rain helps with Hang that. Hang on, I got to make too. some notes really quick. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to help you out. Here. Yeah, because my freezer's full. What other things can you tease out about the book? One one of the issues with novels is it can't tell us the ending and right, what's right. in the so, middle. Right, right. So yeah, so there's some geeky stuff. I have this character who can see the future, which of course gets a little woo. I'm not so sure. So I felt the need to ground it in science, and here scientifically is how I have created the, the real possibility that a character could see the future. Did you know, Chris, that the laws of physics work equally whether you're running time forwards or backwards? I told you earlier I flunked college. So yeah, so, they, so, sure that, so then I'm telling you, they don't care. Laws of physics doesn't matter. Furthermore, there is this elemental particle called a positron. And there's a theory out there that a positron is essentially an electron moving backwards. Now, this theory has never been fully proven, but it's also never been disproven. And again, the math works either way. So what we've created in the novel is this concept, or not, it's not even a concept, it is real. It is very possible that we are getting positrons coming at us from the future all the time. And the what if, now this is the fictional part, what if there were a person who had evolved the ability to sense that matter coming at him from the future. Mm -hmm. Just as half a billion years ago, there was the first organism that could see, and this is basically becoming able to sense photons. Here is a, somebody who is able to sense this matter coming at us from the future. Mm -hmm. And that is how we get a guy who can tell the future. I usually sense stuff coming at me, but usually it's like a pan from one of my ex-wives, one of my 10 ex-wives. <laughs> this is getting to be a theme. So this yeah. actually might be the, like the killing their wife. It might be a how-to guy. Oh. I'm just, I want this to be ultimately useful for you. Did you just become, do, are we just accessories now in some sort of future act? Is that how this is working? It could work out that way. Can we be in <laughs> I can see us at the, I'm not sure. I can see us at a trial now. Did, so did you come up with this stay-at-home dad thing during the, I don't know if you came up with this book during the coronavirus thing, because that was a... You know, stay at home dad time, or right? It was no, it so actually, I, I was a stay at home dad, and so I always thought it was a kind of a, a cool character to put in a novel because mm -hmm. you don't actually find them a lot in books or, or yeah. even in movies. Like, I and I, I, I developed this sensitivity to this when I was a stay at home dad. First of all, you get the crap of somebody will see you with your kid, and you're walking along with your baby, and they'll be like, Oh, is daddy babysitting today? So, oh, actually, I'm parenting, or yeah. where's mom? It's like, who cares? All that kind of stuff. The other sexist, I have yeah. was like the whole thing of like in movies, like the one of the most famous stay-at-home dad movies is Mr. Mom, 
right? Yeah. Yeah. Alex Keaton, or no, Michael Keaton, sorry. Alex Keaton is the, that other guy. Anyhow, Michael Keaton. And the only reason he's a stay-at-home dad is he lost his job, right? Yeah. Or there's Adam Sandler in Daddy Daycare. The only reason he's a stay-at-home dad, and somebody literally dropped a kid on his porch. Yeah. So it's not guys doing what actually, frankly, most stay-at-home dads do. Like, we make yeah. a choice. Like, I could have had a job. It just, it worked out best for my family, for me to be at home and my wife to be working. And that's what we did. And it's something I embraced. It was my job for a while, basically. Yeah. And I, I didn't I didn't feel like there were a lot of those kind of dads being represented in the broader media world. So I, I wanted what felt to me like a, a true to life stay-at-home dad. The other thing is, and again, this is a thriller. And inevitably, this involves a character who's saving the world. And I always like to make things as difficult as I can for my characters. And how much more difficult can you make it than you have to save the world and you have to do it with two toddlers in tow? Yeah, you got to save the world, Jack Ryan style, and change diapers at the same yeah, time. Man. Now so. that is a that's a thriller, right? You're like uh, you're like John Wick shooting the bad guys while you're holding a baby and you're trying to <laughs> get the bibble in its mouth. Or yeah, whatever the hell like, that thing's yeah, called. And, and how is yeah. Jack Reacher like mixing a bottle? Let's really talk about your skills here. I mean, let's here. really talk about heroics. I mean, come <laughs> on, come on. It's time we it's time we uh, took care of the real heroes of the world. You the setting for Unthinkable is in Richmond, right. uh, the capital of your adopted home state in Virginia. Why did you choose Virginia and Richmond? So. Virginia, because I'm lazy and I like to have the research guy all around me. Richmond, really for the real estate porn. I'll be honest, Chris, because I love Zillow. I love going. So this is, again, ex-journalist. I'm very nosy. I love just going on Zillow and looking at houses, and especially when people's stuff is still in it. And yeah, I know they've printed and made it nice, but I still just love peering into random people's homes. And every once in a while on Zillow, you get that that one Wait. lazy person who like still has somehow like they're in the mirror and they're taking the shot. Oh, okay. like, oh yeah, that kind of thing. But I just I love looking at houses. So Richmond okay. has like a lot, of, especially in the, what's known as the fan section of Richmond, just like a lot of cool older late 19th century early 20th century kind of homes and i just wanted to go home shopping for a while so i, I did the hell where i pick out oh my character could live here the kids would go here that kind of stuff and then i also i made the shadowy secret society one county north of where i actually live this being all about of course plausible deniability because i'd be like no i didn't i didn't put it in my county it's, it's yeah yeah there. you're gonna have trouble getting to the frosty free store and they look at you <laughs> going you wrote some bad stuff about us buddy but well, yeah you... I, I love using real places too like I, whenever when, as long as it won't get me in trouble with the libel laws or anything like that because it's fun i think i love yeah. reading a book and recognizing the places in it it just it helps you get into it there you go this is what i was going to do when you said you were just being lazy i was just going to be like oh, well, i'm out of here <laughs> <laughs> you might as well. But I, I needed part of the PR sheet, so I did <laughs> the other thing. But uh, no, that's really cool. As long as you're looking into other people's houses on Zillow, it's okay. But uh, yeah. But it's like, Chris, like the whole the question, like if you had a superpower, what superpower would it be? Hmm. I am straight up an invisibility guy. Like I want to be able to be in the room and nobody knows I'm there and I get to listen into what's said and I get to really see what's going on behind the scenes of people's lives. Again, ex-journalist, just I'm nosy. Yeah, we need to get you out more, Brad. Anyway, <laughs> no, it's funny. In fact, I had a friend who was a realtor 
Yeah, well, I still have her as a friend. And it's like, I'm just losing my friends. I had a friend who was a realtor, and now she's in the forest, and I'm using her decomposition. Anyway, just kidding on the call back there. You are, um, you are darker than I am, Chris. Like, I'm supposed to be the no twisted idea. one here. Right. I write thrillers and kill people and yeah. stuff. My, yeah, you, my brows, my. My browser is whatever. It's actually been a weird day today. It's been like the stupid people collection day this morning. But it's been nice to have you guys on because you can just give me a break from uh, the people that really suck the. They're trying to lower my IQ. It's a plot, I know. But I was going to say, I have a real estate friend and she posts like all these pictures of this beautiful home. And then the master bedroom, she posts this on Facebook. And the master bedroom was just a weird master bedroom with just lots of bottles of lotion. And like this weird dining table thing, a TV dinner stands that you have. And oh, you're sure. like, so what it appeared to do was yeah. they, yeah. yeah, they took the whole home and they got it ready to show. And so the person's basically living out of their master bedroom. And I wrote them privately. And I go, what's a little lotion on the thing? I'm surprised there's not some other things on there. And she goes, she goes, yeah, I had to move them for the picture. <laughs> So it's really, it's like a Silence of the Lambs thing. Kinda, it puts the yeah. lotion in the bucket. Puts the lotion Something in like the it. bucket. <laughs> I don't know, there were some different uh, battery-operated products you had to hide. So, so yeah, um, then, then you have to go in and, and like house shop and ask, uh, so does this convey with the house? Yeah, for some people that adds value. Yeah, I'm not, for sure. I'm not judging. We are not so judge. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Well, that's what we do on the show. So there's some scientific underpinnings of the book that right. you've carefully researched. Tell us a little bit about those. Yeah. So again, there there is this physics principle of uh, time being able to move backwards or forwards. And then the global warming stuff is, of course, a lot of fun. Now, I don't want to get in any way political. As soon as you say global warming, people go, oh, and I'm, I actually have a, a thing in the acknowledgments of the book where I really beg people, like, please spare me your one-star review on Amazon about how political I'm getting. Because the observation that the planet is getting warmer is not political. It is an yeah. observable fact. What you do about it is yeah. political, right? Yeah. What policy we should implement, all that stuff. And so I, I try to make it very clear. I'm not taking sides in this book, okay? So okay. Like, like lay off with the one star, you're awful, Amazon. But, Marjorie, but is, Marjorie there... leave my office. Get out of my <laughs> office. Marjorie Taylor Green just showed up. Get out. Get out, you crazy. See, but yeah, but I'm trying to stay on the right side of, okay, maybe not sure. her. Okay, we'll I mean, leave her out. She's pretty out there. She, she's pretty wacky. But for most people universe. who are, again, yeah. reasonable enough to say yes, if, if the data suggests that four of the five warmest years on record have been the last four years, yes, we know the planet's getting warmer. Again, yeah. it's what you do about it, and that's where I stay at. So there, there is a lot of science in here about global warming. Of what, again, because we were, this is the the monster under the bed, if you will. If this lawsuit succeeds, then it will trigger this global warming catastrophe that we are trying to avoid. Sounds like. Oh, I hope he's. I, I hope he's got a good political affiliation because there is a party trying to do that. Anyway, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was on me, Brad. I'll take the arrows on that one. One of the characters in the novel is called Marcus Saki. Saki. Okay. And tell us a little bit about that. It's uh, named after a very talented real-life author. Yes, Marcus Seiki is a terrific author. He writes wonderful books, and he's a buddy of mine. And early on in this novel, I called him up, and was, we were bouncing around plot points, and he helped me think through some of the aspects of this. And so I, I thanked him in the only way that a thriller author knows how to thank someone, which is I made him a stumbling drunk and then had him killed by a hit-and-run driver in the book. <laughs> I know. I was reading this on the sheet. It's like 
He makes him an alcoholic. His best yeah. friend, he makes an alcoholic and dies a brutal death. That's love, where I come from. Note Chris. to That's self, love. never make friends with Brad. Okay, I just want Well, yeah, Chris, I'm not sure I want to make friends with you because, yeah, you've been, you know, dismembered bodies, things in the trunk. I don't don't know if I'd last very long. I live in Vegas. It's mostly dead hookers, so. It's a a big desert outside that city. A lot of room. Yeah, plus there's like me and you just sink people in it. But you don't ever want to drink the water in Las Vegas after you uh, talk to police officers and what they pull up. (laughs) As the thing's been dropping, they're like finding stuff from like way back. Several of the characters in the novel were named after people who gave generously to charities for the right to name a character you had people wait hold on i'm doing a book right now that's in editing you had people that gave generously charities to be the characters in your book names yeah because who so it's the it's one of the most not most unique because you can't be most unique sorry i i i want to take that back it is a unique gift right that for the person who has everything get them a character name in a book. And wow. any, anytime I get approached by a charity saying, oh, would you like to raffle off signed books? Nobody wants a damn signed book. But a character name in a future novel will generally go for, even for a small local charity, that'll fetch a thousand bucks at an auction, no problem. I don't know, man. The one guy who evidently did get his name in your book that I know of, that you made him an alcoholic and gave him a brutal death. And that's but people very much enjoy that. Buck McBride is one of the characters. This is uh-huh. a, a gentleman who made a, a kind <laughs> donation to a local charity. And I, let me see what I did to him. I put him in a mental hospital. I had him have a, a mental breakdown and then hang himself with an electrical. Again, wow. like this is me showing my love. Are most of these people masochists or what's going on? No, <laughs> no it, it is really. funny though. The, the number of people who, when you explain to them that there's a pretty good chance if I put you in the book, you're going to die. They just want a good Yeah, control. They can always hold the book up and be like, Hey, yeah. I died. In no, this and, thing. and like the number of people who they, they ask to be the villain. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be the good guy. They all want to really? be the villain. <laughs> there's dark stuff wow. going on out there. There is some dark. They must be friends of mine. But uh, yeah, hey, do you want to give Brad some money so he can put you in the uh, the Fargo yeah. tree shredder scene at the end? <laughs> yeah, there you go, man. That sounds like a riot. But that's brilliant, actually. We are looking for sponsors for the book, and my friend had sold sponsors. But this is even better. I love this idea. In a sly nod to the fans of Brad's early work, the law firm Jenny works for is Carter Morgan and Ross. Tell us a little bit right. about what that is about. So I had a six-book series featuring an investigative newspaper reporter for a fictional Newark, New Jersey newspaper whose name was Carter Morgan Ross. So it's just, it's, I I always try to put in one of these sly little nods to readers of my previous books. And oftentimes, I think in the previous book, like I I had in a book I wrote called The Last Act, I had a character saying, I was reading a book called Say Nothing by an author I'd never heard of named Brad Parks. You put those kind of little references in or, or just yeah. like little pieces to your past books or you have you have somebody walk in who's a character from a previous novel and people who've read all my books, they just, they enjoy that kind of stuff. It's just that little way of being able to say to your, to your readers, hey, I see you. The, uh, what I would have done with Carter Morgan and Ross has written a book on moronic parents who reverse engineer the first and last names. Can't get well, it right so, I mean, poor Carter like Morgan Ross, dude has three last names. Yeah, right? or three first names. Or three first names. You can go I know. Way with it's, that it's, one. it's really, yeah. and he does bemoan this in the novel. So Carter Ross is, and suspend your disbelief. I know you can't see me like in, in situ, but I'm. I'm about six foot one. I have uh, brown hair, uh, blue eyes. So Carter Ross is six foot one, brown hair, blue eyes. Yeah, basically. And I, 
He's me. Yeah, right. I know. I know. It's crazy. So anytime I do something to Carter, most of my readers know I'm. it's probably something I've done, frankly, or it's maybe something I've dreamed of doing. There is a lot of this, except for the part about killing your wife, Chris. A lot of this is wish fulfillment, for sure. I Normally, I'd fill in the joke, there's still time, but I won't, because I think that would make me... Enough. Can we have the lawyers ring in on that, please? Thank you. So, this is pretty interesting. Maybe, Brad, you're coming up with a new genre of Hollywood film, the super... Hero Jack Ryan, Jack Reacher, who's that guy I referenced earlier, the uh, Jack. Anyway, the new superhero who's a baby daddy, stay-at-home dad, and he's killing villains while he's changing diapers. Yeah, okay. Let's see if you can defuse the bomb while wearing your child in the baby right here, and then you have to cut the red wire. Yeah, because that makes it an element, because you're not going to die. Exactly. Just you, Not just you're going to die, the baby's going to die. <laughs> exactly. Like every, yeah, every mom mistakes. in that audience is freaking the, you know, out. Going, <laughs> you better cut the red wire, dude! And yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, I think it would be an interesting genre. You, like, you're all out of ammo or something, and your guns, you're... And you're like, oh, crap. And the guy's holding a gun and you just pull the ba uh, poopy baby diaper off and throw it at the dude. And, Perfect. And, you know, it's, it's nobody, everybody gets freaked out by that a little Can bit. Can somebody you know? get a screenplay going on that topic? <laughs> I think I just set the basis for the whole thing. But no, maybe there's a new thing. I, I wouldn't go see the movie, but uh, maybe stay home dads would. I don't have any kids. Yeah. So I, I in my first, the first novel I wrote, I didn't have any kids yet. And it showed in this one particular scene. So this was a Carter Ross novel. It's called Faces of the Gone. This was my debut mm -hmm. novel. And so, again, it's a, a Newark, New Jersey investigative newspaper reporter. And he is doing an interview with a grandmother who has just lost her daughter and the baby so that her granddaughter is in the crib. So this is a, now this, this orphaned child and Carter's interviewing the grandma and they're, they're looking at baby in the crib and then they go into the next room and they finish the interview and then they go straight to the funeral home, hmm. leaving the baby in the crib in the next room, which is a mistake that again, I was childless at the time. I think my editor uh, didn't have kids and man, we totally missed it. So it, it completely appears in the novel. And every year or so, I still get an email from somebody <laughs> saying, hey, you left the kid in the room. It's like, I know, I know. So yeah. you got to be careful with this kind of stuff. That's true. This is why there'll never be any kids in any books I write. Mostly because mine are business books. So you know, there's, there's never any children. But uh, There are plenty of children in business books. They're called CEOs, Chris. That's true, too. And I was going to say, actually, I, there was one point when I had all my companies that I could have written four books about all the employee stories that happen right. every day. And uh, I've had single mothers that I've dated say, how come you're so good with kids? I'm like, I've had thousands of employees. So used to that. Who would uh, play some of these characters in the book if you uh, this went to film? Oh, gosh. Or when this goes to film, let's be positive. So it is being shopped in Hollywood right now. So any of you who uh, have production companies, uh, go ahead, call my agent. Her name is Alice Martell. She's in New York. She'll hook you up. Anyhow, I it, it's a funny thing. I don't think a lot about that, that the kind of film aspect, even though I'm certainly very eager every time I, I hear from my agent and yeah, about how it's shopping, everything like that. When I'm writing the book, I'm just, I'm, I'm all about the book. So first of all, one of the problems is Nate Lovejoy, the protagonist of this particular novel, is six foot four. Not a lot of six foot four actors out there. So the famous example being uh, like the Jack Reacher, the first Jack Reacher movie. Jack Reacher, I don't know if you've read those books. Dude is six foot five, 250 pounds. And who got cast as Jack Reacher? Tom Cruise, like 
five, three foot five or seven, something. yeah, three foot eight. I, I don't know what he is, you know. And so Lee Child, who who writes the the Jack Reacher movies, of course, got just an endless amount of grief over this. But first of all, he he did point out that it's not like they passed a lot of six foot five, two hundred fifty pound actors on their way to Tom Cruise. These guys are all really small. And secondly, as he put it to me, and he's a Brit, he says, Brad. When Tom Cruise wants to play the lead part in your book, you say yes. It's, yeah, okay, good point. I don't honestly get that a lot of thought because the other thing is I have had some of my work optioned, like a book that came out two years ago called The Last Act is now in production with, with Dreamscape and we'll see how it goes. And mm-hmm. I have seen just how much, Chris, they value my input mm-hmm. in the project. No, no. Uh, I, I think that's overstating it quite a bit. Like basically you have this first conversation with them where they're very excited. And Hollywood people are all lovely. They'll tell you how wonderful your book is and how blah, 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 blah. And then you will never, ever hear from them again. But it's always, there's this uh, a great, I think it was Ernest Hemingway who talked about the line in the sand in Nevada, probably not far from where you are actually, mm-hmm. and how... The movie people, you know, rushed up from the California side and throw a bag of money over and the book people rush up from the other side and throw the manuscript over and then they both take off in opposite direction. Because Hollywood is going to take your book and they're going to do whatever they want with it. Tess Gerritsen had a great line about, I think it was something like having your book made by Hollywood is sending your child to a daycare center run by Jeffrey because they will just completely destroy it. Sorry, was that a little bit graphic for you, Chris? You, you've been making references to body parts this whole... Oh, no, not really. I was just, <laughs> I don't know, I'm hungry right now, so it kind of... I, I understand. You're, you're just yeah, yeah. going to uh, tuck I in. No, but... it's, it's always funny to me that there are authors who have famously refused to sell their stuff to Hollywood because they know that once Hollywood gets a hold of it, it's going to be obliterated, right? Certainly, gosh, the- Stephen King. Stephen, no, but he has all this stuff. The, the woman who wrote the alphabet books, A is for alibi, B is, why am I blanking on her name? Did it make it into movies? No, exactly. Her protagonist is Kinsey Milhone, and Sue Grafton. Gosh, I don't know how, how, how that was. Sue Grafton came from Hollywood, right? Mm-hmm. Writing books was her escape from mm-hmm. Hollywood. And so she saw what Hollywood did to a lot of really worthy projects. And I, I actually, I interviewed Sue on stage once. She has since passed, which is very sad, but so she has became a, a huge best-selling author, many millions of books sold. And I said, all right, Sue, what if I gave you $10 million for the rights to Kinsey Milhone? And God bless her because she said, Brad, I already have $10 million. <laughs> It was like, mic drop. So that's, that's a, a wonderful attitude for somebody like Sue Grafton to have. For me, my children uh, are not yet through college. And unfortunately, they're very smart like their mother. They're going to want to go to good ones. Yeah. I, I can't quite stand on such ceremony. Uh, so I am, Dang. yes, open to offers for sure. There you go. There you go. I'm thinking uh, I can see Tom Cruise in Diaper Impossible. <laughs> Diaper Change fine. Impossible. Again, fine with me. Dude yeah. can open up a movie. Yeah, that's a whole new level of, I have no jokes for, I'm not even going to do diaper jokes in the show. We'll do Jeffrey Dahmer jokes, no diaper jokes, or the content they're in. Anything more you want to plug out on the book, Brad, or tease out on the book to get people to go? Uh, yeah, ho- hopefully the uh, the man who has to kill his wife for a billion people will die. If that's not a good enough hook for you, I, I'm, I'm sorry. But it's the best I got for this book. I guess I'll do better yeah. next time. It might be better if you threw in the kids and then he gets like a really nice Corvette and then meets a hot girl. <laughs> if you spice it up a little bit for me. I, All no, the kidding. other divorced 
five I, guys out there. I've lost <laughs> all of the mom crowd. But, but meanwhile, right yes, my, my median reader is probably a 65 uh, year old woman. So oh. I'm really not going to do that to her. No, oh, yeah. There you go. So give us your plugs so people can find you on the interwebs. Yeah, for sure. So my website is www.bradparksbooks.com. On Facebook, I'm facebook.com slash bradparksbooks. And on Twitter, I am brad underscore parks. Or you can just send me. If you're like 40 minutes into the show, however deep we are, and you're still with me at this point, <laughs> uh, send me an email. What that You deserve like a purple heart or something. My email is brad at bradparksbooks.com. Yeah, I think at this point in the interview, you're going to get like uh, that box from that dude in the movie Seven at the end. That's probably what's going to get mailed to you. Anyway, um, just kidding. Just kidding. We do the jokes here, kids. Thank you very much, Brad, for coming on the show. It's been a wonderful delight and very interesting as well. Chris, really good to be here. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Guys, go pick up the book wherever fine books are sold, but only where the fine books are sold. Unthinkable uh, came out July 27, 2021 by Brad Parks. Thanks to him for being on the show. Thanks to honest for listening in. Go to youtube.com forward slash Chris Foss. Hit the bell notification button. Go to goodreads.com forward slash Chris Foss. Go to Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, all those different places and see what we're doing over there as well. Thanks for being here. Be good to each other and we'll see you